What's up, my fellow lionesses and lions? Welcome to the Project Lioness podcast. We are here to disrupt the mainstream narrative when it comes to health, holism, and human consciousness. We are here to share bold truths about health and life from a female perspective. This episode is brought to you by our team, Inspire Co., where we stand for your health being inspired by choice rather than being inhibited by chance. Thank you for being here and joining in on these raw, real, and powerful conversations. We hope our show brings you inspiration and empowerment to overcome challenges, reclaim your life, and ultimately pursue your mission with power, purpose, and play. Now, let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. What's up? Ashley here doing a solo podcast on the Project Lioness podcast. Thank you for your ears. Happy to be here. I'm like just chilling on a Sunday morning with my cats again. I get to record at my house, which is like my favorite place. If you heard from my other episode, love, love, love being in my space with my cats. They are like my children. Feel free to at me if that upsets you. My cats are my babies. Thank you again for being here. Um, Today, I would love to chat about relationships and just specifically, does your relationship nourish you um, or does it take from you? Are you you giving more to your relationship than you're receiving? Um, Specifically, I'll be referencing a lot about heterosexual relationships here because that's the vast majority of my experience, but I do think a lot of these tips can be applied to um, any combination of relationships that you may find yourself in um, at this time. So definitely if you hear me using language about men or women, um, I'll just say it right now, like hashtag not all men. I'm not here to shame men in general, but I do think because of my own personal experiences and uh, those of my friends that I know that are in heterosexual relationships, I can only really anecdotally talk about those kinds of relationships. So not here to shame men, not here to hate on men, but that's the experience I have to work with. So I will be careful about my language. But again, if you hear me specifically calling out men, I'm not here um, calling out each individual male. I know I'm, I'm happily married <laughs> and I have a wonderful husband. And so I'm definitely not here uh, man shaming. So let's dive right into it. Does your relationship nourish you? I want to start off with a little bit of a crass term. Um, It's pretty controversial, but I do think it grabs attention. I think that can be really important in situations like this. Um, It's called Mommy Bang Maid. If you've never heard about it, it comes from a pretty feminist forum group that I've been in, and it it is exactly what it sounds like. Um, It's when you're in a relationship, I guess you could call it a daddy bang maid too, if you wanted to to keep the, the gender neutral thing there. But Um, Mommy Bang Maid is when you're in a relationship and the female partner is doing all of the things, right? So they're the mom. They're making all the appointments. They're making sure your clothes are laid out for the next day. They're making your lunches for work, right? And then obviously Bang Maid is pretty self-explanatory. They're also, so they're being your mommy, but also they need to show up in the bedroom to be this amazing person that still satisfies all of your needs. And then maid is pretty obvious as well. Um, they're doing all of the household chores, all of the cooking, all of the cleaning. 
Um, the reason I bring up this term first isn't just for the shock value, but because I think it'd be, if you think about people that you may know, or maybe even yourself, um, you may find that you think you're in one of these kinds of relationships where you don't really have an equal partner and they love you and you love them. And that's not the question about this episode. Note that I said, does your relationship nourish you? I did not say, do you love each other? (laughs) That's not the question I'm presenting here. Um, So, you know, you guys love each other, but, you know, the stereotypically the woman is doing the the vast majority of the work, but still expecting to show up as a kind of like wonderful sex kitten for their partner. Um, I, I think this is a lot more common than people think that it is. I know a lot of people that live this life and I don't think they really realize that they're living it, which is why I love this term because it grabs attention and it kind of forces you to think about your own situation. Um, If you think that you might be in a relationship like that, like you may feel a little bit shamed and called out at this moment, I'm definitely not trying to do that. I'm not here to tell you that you should or shouldn't be in a relationship. I'm not here to tell you that your relationship is wrong. Maybe you really love that dynamic and you feel really great about it. Um, But I do know a lot of women, uh, mostly women in my experience, are burnt out and tired and then wonder why they don't feel sexually attracted to their partner or wonder why they don't really want to show up in that intimate way because they're exhausted. Because again, if you're, if you, especially if you have kids and then your partner is also like a third kid uh, and you see that kind of joked about a lot, I, I think online, um, those of you that are on social media, I have friends that'll screenshot things and send it to me from their social medias and show me things like, you know, women making jokes about how um, they have four kids because they have really three kids, but then their husband is their fourth child. And, you know, I think it's pretty common for us to, ah, ha, 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 that's so funny. But at the same time, like, why don't we take a step back and think about that? Like, why is being married, and normally in this case, we're discussing being married in a heterosexual relationship. Why is it that a lot of men end up being another child in the relationship in the sense of terms of how we take care of them. Um, There are plenty of people that call in to, I've had previous jobs at like um, hospitals and things like that, that'll call in to make appointments for their husband and it'll be the wife that's doing it. And I'll never once hear from the husband. Um, Same thing, we'll hear the woman say things like, oh, well, my husband has a really important business trip coming up. I need to get home to get his laundry done. And you just have a moment where we're not really like flagging these in our brains to stop and say, why? Like, what the, what the fuck are you, why, why do you need to rush home to make sure that this gets done so he can go on a business trip? And again, I want to point out that if you're doing that to be nice and that feels really good in your relationship, it's not the norm. He asked for your help in that situation. Normally, he's responsible for all of his clothes being clean, but this time work's been really busy. Like That's obviously not what I'm referring to here, but I think maybe if we stop to think about it, we all have a girlfriend that's kind of like swamped. Even if you didn't have kids, is still doing all of the things, all of the cooking and the cleaning. Um, So that's mommy bang made. And maybe if you're in a relationship that feels like that, you want to ask that question. Like, is that nourishing to you? Or do you feel like you're exhausted all of the time and that maybe your intimate life isn't as great as it could be because you are perhaps taking on a role in your relationship that doesn't feel like an equal partnership, right? And you hear me say that a lot in this episode. Like equal partnership is what I'm shooting for. It's I'm incredibly passionate 
about giving power to both people in the relationship where I believe for the most part, a lot of society is living in a situation where women have a little bit less power in their relationships. So that's one of the points I want to talk about. Mommy being made, definitely take a peek at that. And if you think that you might be in that situation, I would love to recommend something like sitting down with your partner, maybe writing down all of the tasks that you do, all of the tasks that they do, maybe seeing the disparity there and then trying to like reorganize some things and set things up if your partner is open to that. If they're not, maybe there's like a larger issue there <laughs> that we would want to address, but we can definitely get to some of the bigger stuff a little bit later. Um, the next one I want to talk about, it's similar to mommy being made, but it's just no support, right? So maybe your partner really doesn't look at you like a mommy, like they make their own appointments or dad, sorry, they make their own appointments. They definitely um, do their own laundry. They help with the cooking. They go grocery shopping and they don't need you to make a whole list for them to do it, right? Like they're a capable equal partner in those regards, but they just don't support you. So maybe you feel like, you're not getting that emotional support that you need. That's not nourishing to you. Um, this one is a little bit harder to recognize in relationships because a lot of times like it's easy to just be like, my partner's really busy. They don't have the time. And that might be true, but it's still a relationship. You're still in a relationship with a person that deserves that you, um, that you deserve, excuse me, for them to make time for you, right? Just like you, they deserve for you to make time for them. Um, that's really important. So I guess this is another one. I see this with kids a lot. If if people have children, um, a lot of the duties for kids fall on to the mom stereotypically, and that could be no support there. Um, if you, I just want to throw out the thing, like both of you are parents. It took both of you to make these wonderful, glorious children that you have. And so if one parent is showing up and doing the vast majority for the kids and they're not getting that support, then it's not really splitting things up into being an equal partnership, right? Kids are exhausting as it is, even when two people are showing up. So imagine if really the relationship is only one person is. And if you think, well, if you have a situation where you have a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, that doesn't mean that that other partner isn't responsible for those children and that the other person that does the staying at home shouldn't get breaks and support, right? That's incredibly important. Supporting your partner leads to a nourishing relationship, right? And then supporting them in, in any way that you can think of here is what matters. Um, the next bit I want to touch on would be like constant fighting. Um, obviously, people fight in relationships. I'm in a super happy marriage and I still argue with my husband on occasion. Uh, I feel great that it's normally something that can be navigated through pretty easily, pretty quickly. Even if we're both mad at each other, we can tend to kind of like see each other's point of view. So there's a healthy kind of argument that exists in every relationship that every relationship should have, right? But if you're constantly fighting, because for example, they're not pitching in and they're not doing this, or if you're constantly fighting because um, you're just irritated all the time because you're burnt out or they're burnt out or tired all the time. And it's just a struggle. Like you're not hearing each other or you're having the same kind of arguments over and over without any resolution. That's not really nourishing, right? That's not a nourishing situation. It probably takes a lot more from you than it does gives to you. Um, and I think obviously for the last bit, we talked about no support and constantly fighting in a struggle. It can be really good to look at um, like a couple's counseling situation for that, right? Like being able to be heard and finding a way to communicate is a skill. 
It's a skill that every relationship needs and it's incredibly important. And sometimes we just need help learning that skill. So I would definitely say if you find, if you think that like a lot of these build on each other, right? If you feel like you're in a a mommy bang made relationship, you feel like you don't have that support and you're probably fighting all the time, right? Like there's a building there. And I think a lot of those things can be, sometimes we need an outside perspective to help refine each other in a relationship. Um, the next one I would touch on would be boundary crossing. So if you're in a relationship and you have set boundaries and your partner is constantly stomping all over them, number one, we need to work on boundary setting because if somebody's violating your boundaries, there should be consequences for that. But number two, um, definitely not nourishing, right? Definitely doesn't give to you for sure takes away from you. Boundary crossing can be difficult for a variety of reasons. Um, If it's a pretty severe boundary that's getting crossed, you could reopen up some trauma in that, in your body and in your mind. Um, But also it could just be as simple as feeling betrayed. Betrayal trauma, I think, is one of the most difficult traumas to deal with in relationships. And I don't just mean the obvious form of betrayal, like maybe cheating or lying. It could be something as simple as feeling like your partner has set this boundary, they've understood it, and they've crossed the line anyways. It could be as simple as don't ever bring salmon into my fridge. I mean, that's silly, obviously, but I don't want to get too real calling out individual things like that. Everybody's boundaries are different, and it doesn't matter what they are. So even though I just said not having salmon in the fridge is silly, it could be a very serious boundary for someone else. So I shouldn't discredit that. But it is a little bit silly, though, right? So um, I'd like to talk here a little bit about effective ways to set boundaries. So I think everybody can benefit from practicing boundary setting, even if you think you have a strong sense of your own boundaries. Uh, I, I think there's some exercises that you can do that are really, really beneficial to work on this or to just keep keep up on your boundary skills, right? It is a skill, just like communicating from before is a skill. So you can definitely look at visualizing what your boundaries are and naming what your limits are in that relationship, right? So, and you can do this alone first, have a moment alone where you really sit down. You could journal on this. You could close your eyes. You could meditate on this, or you could just sit down and just say them to yourself, visualize them to yourself, right? What are they? And then after you feel really confident to yourself, what your boundaries are, then you want to communicate those boundaries to your partner. And you want to commute them clearly and firmly. Now you don't like, this is a little bit of a tip on communication, I suppose. So a bit before, if when you're communicating your boundaries, definitely don't wait until you're already arguing about your boundary being crossed, right? Definitely find a time that's like a neutral space where you guys can sit down together. You feel comfortable and safe and you can share what your boundaries are. Um, you want to keep reiterating and upholding your boundaries. So when your boundary is crossed, not every violation of a boundary means that you should end a relationship, right? But some of them, um, some of them maybe, some of them are so severe that you would need to end a relationship. They're they're deal breakers, if you will. And that that's totally fine and respectable if that's what the boundary is. But for lots of boundaries, in fact, people are going to end up crossing them and not always on purpose. So we really want to work at reiterating and upholding our boundaries. Hey, um, you said that and I know we talked about it. It's really uncomfortable for me. I just want to say it again out loud so you understand. Give them an opportunity to apologize in that moment, but you continue to uphold your boundaries. That will feel so good to you and your body and your system if you were violated in some way of a boundary and then you're able to voice that instead of just sitting on it and taking it, for example. 
The next one I think is really, really obvious. It's don't be scared to say no, <laughs> right? Like the whole thing of boundary setting is saying no. And I chuckle here because this is the one where I'm bad. Like I'm really good at the steps that I listed before. I'm like, yeah, let me talk to you about my boundaries and let me reiterate them if you violated them and tell you how I feel about it. But then like saying no is not something I thrive at. And I think it's difficult for a lot of people. And especially when you're saying no to people you care about, it's even harder, right? Like if you really don't like somebody and you don't want to do something, maybe it's a little easier to say no. But if you're sitting down with your partner and, you know, like they're asking you a thing and you realize it's going to violate a boundary, saying no can be really challenging. But practice, practice is where this makes perfect. Say no where it doesn't matter as much, right? And don't feel like, I, I love the saying, I've heard a bunch of different times in, in many places, I'm not really sure where it originated from, but it's simply, no is a complete sentence. You do not need to explain yourself. You do not need to tell somebody why you aren't coming to a party, why you don't want to go to the movies, why you won't eat that food, why you don't like that per Like, there's nothing that you, like, just know is fine. No is all you need to say. And the more that you say no without feeling like you need to explain yourself, the easier it'll be. So definitely practice saying no. Um, the next bit I would like to talk about for boundary setting is to take time for yourself. Um, oftentimes, one of our boundaries that I think we overlook in relationships can be like your own personal hobbies, taking time for self-care. It gets really easy, and especially if you have children, but even if you don't, it can be really hard um, to, to continue to take time for yourself. That is working on healthy boundaries, right? Working on how to set boundaries, keeping up with your boundaries is, in, it directly involves taking care of yourself and making time for yourself. On that next point of time, I'd like to talk about um, how much time you spend together with your partner. This will vary wildly based on the relationship. Some people are a lot more independent and happy being alone than other people. And hopefully your partner kind of matches up with you a little bit or at the very least understands and is comfortable with the amount of time that you do or don't want to spend. For example, um, my husband and I are... We, we, we're best friends. Um, we really enjoy doing everything together. When we're not together, we're less happy about that. Again, now it's fine. We do separate things and it's okay. And it's okay when he needs time or when I need time and taking time for ourselves still matters. I still do my own self-care and things. But for the amount of time that we spend together, it's probably higher than most people's relationships that I know. And I think that's a fair assessment for me. I think we spend more time together happily though than um, some other couples. Now there's no, there's nothing bad. That doesn't mean that we love each other more than some of my other friends. It simply just means that's the amount of time that feels good to us. So when I say how much time you spend together, note I'm not saying limit the time that you spend together or increase the time that you spend together, but notice how much time you spend together. Does that feel like it aligns with your boundaries? Does it feel like it aligns with how much time you're able to spend with yourself? And then really feel into that. And then the other one I think is important to talk about boundary setting in a relationship is setting physical and sexual boundaries, right? Like this is something that's necessary in a relationship. And it is really important that you are very clear and very firm with a partner in this regard. And this also gets tricky. Like we said, saying no to somebody that you really care about can feel like you're disappointing them. And it can really feel like, 
you have some kind of obligation to, to satisfy them because you're in an intimate relationship and, you know, you're maybe monogamous, which makes it even, can be a little bit more difficult, but it is incredibly important for your own well-being as well as your relationship's well-being and feeling nourished and loved and accepted in your relationship is that you set clear and firm physical and sexual boundaries. If you do not like it when people touch your feet, then, and you guys are sitting on the couch watching television, then, you know, maybe make that clear. I don't like it when people touch my feet. Please do not touch my feet, right? And feel confident in that. If somebody has a strong quote unquote negative reaction to you setting a perfectly reasonable boundary, I want you to hear me loud and clear here. That is a problem for them to handle and not for you to handle. Your boundaries are your boundaries and they're not here to make somebody else feel good, right? And that's, I think, really important to understand, especially on this point. And then I'd like to talk about respecting emotional boundaries. And this goes two ways. For your relationship to be nourishing and, and comfortable in an equal partnership, you need to respect emotional boundaries on both sides. Some people are more open emotionally than others. Again, it's important that you are in a relationship, I think, where you find a balance of feeling like you know and understand that person emotionally and can connect with them emotionally. You don't, I think, get a lot out of being in a relationship, get a lot of nourishment, I should say, out of being in a relationship with someone who you don't can, can't feel emotionally connected to because their emotional boundaries are so distant. Maybe their walls are up so high. But at that same time, you need to respect that there are different levels for each person in that emotional boundaries. So respect your own as well, knowing you don't need to overshare. You don't need to tell people things that even in, even in the most intimate relationship of marriage, it's okay to have things that are yours and that you don't share with your partner. But about like maybe even previous traumas or even just how you feel about a topic or any of those things are totally fine. But there is a balance there on both sides, respecting your own and respecting them. So I know we kind of a little bit of a tangent there on the side, but I think it's incredibly important. And it's just a life skill, not only in a relationship, but setting appropriate healthy boundaries is the be all end all to healing and growth. <laughs> you have to have boundaries to be in a nourishing relationship. And so when you're asking the question if your relationship nourishes you or not, you must ask the question if there's boundary crossing in your relationship and then how can you help set better boundaries in your relationship, right? What builds right on top of that, the next point I'd like to talk about would be that you're in a relationship where you feel like you can't really move forward or grow. Um, perhaps you have a partner that is completely happy with the way that their life is and they don't want anything to change and this is just what they want their life to be. They're happy with the day in, day out. They don't have any larger dreams or aspirations. There is nothing inherently wrong with that. I am a big believer that you don't need to have these, you don't need to be a person that has grand ambitions to be a worthy person that lives a happy, functional life. But there are people out there who are, I think, um, again, you just want to match, I guess is what I should say here. Similar to the how much time you guys want to spend together or respecting your emotional boundaries when we talk about boundary setting, like you want to make sure that you match up on this idea. If you're a person who's really trying to like turn your life around and move towards a healthier self and goals and your partner isn't interested in either one, participating with you or two, supporting you, again, going back to not having support, 
if you're in a relationship with somebody who's not interested in change, but also doesn't want you to change, then there's going to be, I think, a lack of nourishment in that relationship. And I think this one you're really going to feel pretty powerfully. It's also, I think, going to create a lot of internal struggle. I think I see this a lot with people that I've worked with before um, doing like trauma-informed yoga or even just friends that I've had conversations with. I think you can see a lot in people's bodies specifically, but also in the way that they talk about things. Um, if they have a, If they have dreams of perhaps, let's say, an easy one, being healthier, Perhaps it's a person that just wants to lose a lot of weight and exercise more and they want to um, stop eating out, right? That seems like a pretty common thing maybe for American couples to be like, gosh, I'd like to lose some weight and stop eating out as much. I want to exercise more. Those are pretty reasonable things, right? But your partner is just not interested in that. Now, one, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. They don't want to do that. But if they're not willing to perhaps change, compromise a little bit of their eating out behavior, say, so you can make sure that you can still have meals together, the family can still eat together, those kinds of things. If they're unwilling to make that compromise, then I think it's going to be really hard and it's going to show up in your body as a way of like, you're going to start resenting maybe because now you can't meet your own goals. That's going to show up in your body as, as tension or um, can show up as like uh, digestive distress, right? Feeling like kind of cramped up, stuck, stuck energy in the digestive tract. I think is another one that shows up here. Um, it's incredibly important. I believe that if you're in a relationship that is an equal partnership that you care about, nourishing yourself and each other, that you find somebody who can support you in your own growth. If you are not in a relationship with someone who is currently doing that, they're probably capable of doing that, perhaps having that direct conversation and saying, this is really important to me. Perhaps it's even a deal breaker, right? And again, that's where I think a couple's counselor can really come into play here and just have both sides be heard if you find yourself trying to have those conversations. But again, resorting back to that constant fighting, the same arguments over and over again. Um, you need a partner you can grow with or a partner that you can feel comfortable about staying in the spot that you're in, right? Like it doesn't matter one way or the other. How you want to live your life is how you want to live your life. But being on the same page about that is really, really important. Um, the next one is super obvious, right? About does your relationship nourish you? If you're in a relationship that you're constantly being lied to, being cheated on, being abused, uh, the answer is no. This is the only point that I'm going to be firm about. Um, you should not, you cannot, you must not stay in a relationship that doesn't, that isn't safe physically, um, that is, that has that abusiveness, that has continued cheating, that has continued lying. Um, I, I, I have strong feelings about this because of my past. I'm not a big fan of telling people what they should or shouldn't do. Even saying that that firmly to you just now, I felt that physically in my body. Like, oh, don't tell people how to live their lives, Ashley. But at the same time, I'm really passionate about this. Again, now I want to make certain that you don't think I'm saying if you're in an abusive relationship that you should just leave because I fully understand it doesn't work that way. It's not that easy. That's not how this works. Like, I get it. I'm just simply trying to reiterate to you from a strong place on the outside of an abusive relationship that you can't stay here. It won't get better. I don't believe 
that it's safe to stay in those kinds of relationships. Now, I, I included things like lying and cheating in with abuse. Uh, maybe that's too big of a blanket. We probably could split those up. Um, a boundary for me is cheating. I have a firm boundary for cheating. If Scott has an affair, I'm out the door. He knows that, right? I have no space for that. Now, some people may have a softer boundary on that in a monogamous relationship. If they find out that they're being cheated on, there might be some space for forg forgiveness there and some growth there. Um, and that's great. I'm not here to tell you that that's right or wrong, but I do believe that if there's that combination of just an abusive relationship and constant cheating, there's a certain point where um, it's like a fool me once, shame on you sort of situation, fool me twice, right? Like that sort of um, thing needs to be taken into consideration. If you have a relationship built on lies, distrust, infidelity, then it's perhaps, it's not perhaps, it is a relationship that does not nourish you. And I feel very strongly about that. So once again, just to reiterate, if you're in an abusive relationship, I know it can be really challenging to, and even if you're just in an emotionally abusive relationship where you're being lied on or cheated, um, lied to or cheated on, excuse me, none of those situations are easy to leave. And sometimes they need to be left with great care um, because I know that it's not always safe to leave those kinds of relationships. But I just want to reiterate, like you're strong enough to do it. I promise you that you can and that you there is something better for you, even if that something better is not being with a partner, right? I'm going to talk about being alone here in just a minute. So obviously the question, does your relationship nourish you? If you're in a relationship where you're being abused or constantly cheated on, the answer is no. <laughs> um, I do want to chat a little bit about, we talked about couples counseling for a few different points of this. And I think it's important to also mention that I don't think oftentimes, I guess I will say, couples counseling isn't the only thing that needs to be done. Um, first, you need two willing partners to do couples counseling. If you have a partner that is perhaps not willing to attend couples counseling with you, um, I'll, I'll, I won't be firm on this, but I think that's a, that's a deal breaker for me personally, I can say. Uh, if you are trying to better the relationship, better the communication, feel more like an equal partnership where you're being nourished and your partner is unwilling to assist in that, I think there's a little bit of a deeper issue there that needs to be talked about. So I wanted to talk about individual counseling in that regard. Um, if you're struggling with that, you don't want to leave the relationship, but they won't really kind of assist you. I really want to say that individuals counseling can be life-changing. I mean, finding the right kind of counselor for you is really important. I'm not, I needed a mixture of both. I, I like to do the intellectual thing where we talk about things and work it out because I have a lot of awareness, but I also liked a somatic approach. I liked the approach where we talk about how it feels in the body and help to move those things around. So definitely if you are, and you can find couples counselors that do similar things to that too. It doesn't have to be a thing. Um, but I want to say that couples counseling, one, isn't the answer to everything, obviously. But I do think it's really important if you're finding that you want to work on the relationship, you don't want to leave it. It is important to you and, and you think that the love there is strong enough to move through. You need two willing parties though, right? And if you don't and you still don't want to leave, please seek out individual counseling. So at the very least, you can get some skills to help your side of the thing. And you never know, a lot of times when we're doing our own work, the people around us feel compelled to kind of step in and do theirs. But even if you have a partner that's willing to do couples counseling, I would love to recommend that you would both do individual counseling as well, whether it's... Um, 
I, I would think it would be with a separate person just because ethically I don't, I don't think therapists should see husbands and wives because it gets easy to take a side if you're seeing them as a couple, but even still, whatever you think might work best for you in that regard. Um, and then I also wanted to just sort of wrap up this episode by talking about what I touched on briefly is if you were to leave a relationship, like you don't need to be in a relationship to be worthy or happy. You don't. There's nothing about being alone Although it can feel really scary, especially for women, um, given this idea that we've been told that we must be married, we have to have kids, you have to be found sexually attractive to be worthy, right? All of these kinds of things and messages that we get as women from a very young age. Um, but you don't. And I want to say it again. You do not need to be in a relationship to be worthy or happy. It's okay to be alone. And in fact... It's sometimes exactly what you might need. So if you've heard this episode and you're thinking, I've checked all the boxes, I've tried all the things, but I really don't think I want to be in a relationship. And I've asked myself the question, like, does my relationship nourish me? It's okay if the answer is no, right? And and oftentimes there's ways to fix that. And now you have the awareness that it doesn't and you can step in to set those boundaries and ask for support and maybe get into counseling and you can look at, advocating for yourself and taking care of yourself, right? And all of those things that will help you find a relationship that nourishes you. But if the answer to the question is, my relationship doesn't nourish me and I think I need to go, it's okay to be alone. And if you do find yourself leaving a relationship or you find yourself after a breakup or a divorce even, um, it's like I think we should talk just over a minute about to wrap up the episode, what you can do after a relationship ends that might be really challenging to be by yourself, especially if you've never been by yourself, right? So let yourself feel all the things that you need to feel and work on good coping mechanisms for this. And this is honestly, these things can be applied even if you're still in the relationship that you think isn't nourishing you because there's a grief there. Even if you're choosing to stay and you're working on it, there's still maybe a grief that can exist because it's the relationship isn't exactly what you need it to be so you're grieving that lack of nourishment um so work on good coping skills definitely avoid like hanging on to your desperation in these feelings and don't rush into any new relationships if you did break up spend time taking care of yourself love yourself and this again I think is incredibly important in or outside of a relationship what do you like what do you want what feels good to you right I know that this episode may have been a little bit challenging in the sense that um, if you recognize a lot of these behaviors in your relationship, you may be thinking, oh my God, I'm in a terrible relationship. And you sh- you just please don't feel that way. There isn't, that isn't the message of this. The message of this is to simply bring awareness, curiosity even to your current relationship and to note that it's okay if it isn't working. There are steps you can take to make it work better for you if if you believe that's the right answer. And if you don't believe that's the right answer, that it is okay to be alone. There is support. You have love and community. It is a beautiful thing to get to know yourself in a different way after a long-term relationship. And there's definitely, you know, something to be said about feeling strong and powerful when you find out that you do stand up for what you want, what you believe in. And if you work on those things. And regardless of the outcome, it's going to feel really empowering to you. So I was really excited to record this episode. I really hope that you found it beneficial. 
I think it's incredibly important that we don't just kind of stumble through our relationships wondering, you know, is this all there is? I guess I'll have to deal with it. This is just the way my partner is. No, fight. Fight for a relationship that nourishes you. You deserve it. You deserve to feel truly loved and supported by your partner. And that's the best part about being married, right? Or being in a partnership of any kind, even if you're not married. So I really, really hope that serves you. Please feel free to ask any questions you might have below. I'd love to talk about this with you guys if anybody wants to reach out to me. Um, again, thank you all for tuning in to the Project Linus podcast where we're here to guide you towards reclaiming your power, inspiring you to purpose your very own purpose, and ultimately invite you to play all out in life. Until next time, keep rising, keep roaring, and keep inspiring. Bye, guys. Thank you for joining the Project Linus podcast. Did you find value in today's episode? Help us impact the lives of others by sharing this podcast with someone you know who would resonate and benefit from the Project Linus message. Excited to hear more? We invite you to subscribe on whatever platform you're tuning in on. And we'd be so grateful for you to leave us a review about what you enjoy most as well as what you'd like to hear more of. Thank you so much for all of your support. Sincerely yours in power, purpose, and play. Dr. Mel with the Project Lioness podcast. Keep rising, keep roaring, and keep inspiring.